Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I have been playing uh, Postal Brain Damage as well. Is that a postal game? <laughs> yeah, but it's more like, uh, like a classic shooter in Sensibilities. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it's got deliberately retro-style graphics. Oh, okay. Man, I haven't even heard of it. Well, someone must have. Because <laughs> it, <was>, uh, <laughs> it was on the Steam popular list. Oh, well, there you go. Also, oh, chat it's... is acknowledging uh, postal brain damage, so apparently we are live. Oh, okay. All I'm seeing is an ad at the moment, but I'll take you away oh. for it. Ads are great. Okay, everyone. Welcome to uh, Slightly Something Else. I'm Yatsi Croshaw. I'm joined by Marty Sleever. Hey, everybody. And the topic this week is relating to a game that is officially 10 years old today. Mm-hmm. Or this week. This week, a few, sorry. A few days from now, yeah. Well, what's the difference in the grand scheme of things? <laughs> I feel like there would have been one actually in the audience. Jaeger Developments, seminal mm-hmm. classic, Spec Ops The Line. Did you know there was actually a series of Spec Ops games, and this was ostensibly part of it? Apparently this is the eighth Spec Ops game, which... Yeah. Sure, yeah. Of course, it sort of simultaneously breathed life into the name and killed the franchise stone dead, because there was absolutely no following up on Spec Ops The Line. There's been no ninth Spec Ops, so, yeah. And the reason why it gained such a reputation is because it's almost unique in the annals of gaming as a contemporary modern war shooter in smack in the middle of the age of... uh, contemporary modern war shooters 2012 i think Mm -hmm. but it was a sort of very smart underhanded deconstruction of uh modern warfare shooters what was your first experience with this uh yeah it was pretty early on when i started in the industry and i was assigned the review and my editor was like and i was like i'm not really like a big sort of like bro shooter guy and my editor kind of assured me that this was going to be something interesting and uh, the game starts off and, and absolutely made me think that I was like, well, what the hell was my editor thinking? And then yeah, well, uh, yeah. by the time I got probably about an hour and a half into it, I realized like, oh, okay, this is pretty smart. And then, you know, by the final act, you're like, oh, wow, this is actually like in yeah. like an incredible take. It's like an anti-war shooter, which we haven't really seen before and haven't really seen since, honestly. Well, it's sort of a contradiction in terms, isn't it? Yeah, the argument surrounding Spec Ops The Line continues to this day. Can you honestly have a game that's simultaneously a war shooter that's critical of war shooters? Mm -hmm. Because you do have to sort of like war shooters to an extent to to be able to get to the point in the game where it starts making its point that you're an asshole for liking war shooters. Yeah, and it is very much a... um when we talk about remembering spec ops we talk about its story and its subversion we don't really talk about its gameplay which is very much a traditional third person yeah. cover based shooter for the time um some neat thing i actually replayed it this weekend um for the first time since 10 years ago um and a i forgot how short it was which is nice it was yeah, I, I beat it in under four hours a lot of games uh, around and- that time were around that length yeah yeah I was, I was, um, this was like the ps3 360 era 
before yeah. the before like uh, you know open worlds became as huge as they are now. And it was even uh, you know it was a year before stuff like uh, Bioshock Infinite and uh, mm. The Last of Us, which sort of bloated themselves out by including like crafting elements and some of those sort of rpg elements which this game just doesn't have like this yeah. game is yeah. you find weapons you pick them up you're you don't get any stronger you don't get new abilities uh none of that the one interesting mechanic i i think in terms of the shooting which is very scripted but um so the game is set in a uh in in dubai in the middle mm -hmm. of this um, really gnarly sandstorm and there's elements where you can use the sandier advantage like if you see if you're sort of underground and you see a glass window looking outside you can you can shoot the window and sand will come piling in um yeah and, that was like the you'll one, take out a turret that was the one gimmick and it was a very very contextual uh, incredibly yeah but that was something where i was like well if they do a sequel this could be you know something they they really build upon and yet um like you said, that was the, that was the last uh, the last yep. Spec Ops game. Sadly. That was the last we ever heard of it. Because yeah. I mean, Jaeger honestly has been also like they did a game called Dreadnought a few years ago, which was like a mm. space combat game, and then they just released a, um, a a battle royale game called a free to play called The Cycle Frontier. But they those were the only games they've released in the last decade, and they're working on Dead yeah. Island two for a long time. Yeah, but yeah, that yeah. sort of switched devs, and yeah. I don't know who knows what the fuck happened there. Yeah, seriously. I got a nice tweet from one of the Jaeger devs, actually. Oh, nice. This morning when uh, I posted that we were doing this mm -hmm. podcast. And he said, um, he said, it was from Enrique Kalinet. I don't know how well I'm pronouncing that. Yeah. Says, Dude, I don't know if you are aware of how meaningful your zero punctuation review was for our game. It was like a turning point to spec off the line after that. I've been telling the story for the last decade. Never had the chance to say, tell you, but well, thank you. Okay, so you did a ZP at the time and, and obviously appreciated its story then as well. Yeah, I went I went back and rewatched it this morning. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mentioned that the story is a, complete, is a massive curveball that uh, really drew me in. It's almost closer to like the story of a horror game than a... A war shooter. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. Does, it does a lot of what I associate with games like Silent Hill 2 and games like that, mm -hmm. where it's creating a lot of horror and unease by playing with the disconnect between the player and the character the player is playing as. Mm -hmm. By uh, It messes around with like hallucinatory imagery. Uh, you get the sense that uh, you're playing an unreliable narrator. Sure, yeah. And... and more and more the main character sort of acts contrary to what uh you think should they should be doing yeah and and the, uh... even uh, even though you're constantly in control of them you realize that his that this dude's destruction is of, is, is of his own making yeah absolutely and uh sort of splintering off from that in a couple different directions. Um, a lot of credit should be given to uh, the writing team. The The lead writer was uh, a guy named Walt Williams, who he actually released a uh, a book about his time in the industry called uh, Significant Zero that I, I recommend to folks checking out um, because it, it details a lot of the development of this game and how, like, you know, they really, like, to the publisher's credit, 2K, you know, allowing them to sort of tell this story in the yeah, confines the... of a big AAA game, which yeah, I, it yeah. didn't pay off for them, I guess. I mean, maybe in the long run it did because this game is held in such high regard, I, I think. I wonder if there might have been some, you know, 
slight dishonesty going on to get the publisher to clear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the publishers and it's did interesting mandate, too, uh, did mandate a multiplayer that. mode. They which, did, uh, which I, it felt like every shooter at the time had. Like we've talked yeah. about uh, the Dead Space Two, the the Bioshock, you know, multiplayer. That was kind of just like a thing that was always included. Hmm. Um, and uh, it's interesting too that Walt Williams, the writer, is now uh, he's the 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 lead writer on Marvel's Wolverine game. So, um, uh, sold out, did it? Poor bastard. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, uh, I would take that money in a heartbeat. So, yes. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, the, the story feeling like a horror game, and it's, uh, it's very much, um, you know, it doesn't hide the fact that it's modeled after Heart of Darkness slash Apocalypse mm. Now. I mean, John Conrad is the man you were, you know, chasing metaphorically yeah, downriver. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they're very openly based on the plot of uh, Heart of Darkness, which uh, Apocalypse mm -hmm. Now was also based on. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think, uh, although it is, the plot is based a lot on that, a lot of the meat of the game is sort of examining the tropes of modern war shooters at the time. Because I was looking yeah. this up, this was like deep in the heart of uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare era mm -hmm. of modern shooters. I think it was the same year, just double check that. Yeah, it was the Black same Ops year. Black Ops 2? Black Ops 2. Was, yeah. yeah, it was the same year Black Ops 2 came out. Which was still when the Call of Duty Modern Warfare trend was uh, riding kind of high. Yeah, that like might have been close to like it's um, when it had the the highest sales, along with people weren't kind of jaded towards it yet. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I so, feel like it was still getting really high reviews, and and people were still really enjoying the um, sort of changes with each iteration. And all and the like the characteristic of those games was they were always a bit dodgy if you start examining the ethics to any degree. Like you're always sure. like an American soldier representing the American army who's gung-ho, uh, whatever they say, uh, Semper Fi. Yeah, yeah. Hoorah uh, to ashes. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, in his pursuit of the goals of the American government. And you're almost always fighting like uh, an, an enemy that's less well-equipped than you because this was like mm -hmm. still the post 9-11 era of politics. Yep. So we have to fight all the insurgents. Mm -hmm. which, is, <laughs> which is really why they chose the Middle East. And yeah. what happens in Spec Ops The Line is that you do exactly the same things you do in Modern Warfare, but everything goes to shit because of it. As it yeah, would. Yeah, and, and the as people in, you're fighting are it, mostly Americans. As indeed it did in real life. The yeah. War, the war in the Middle East. Because that's, yeah, that's what happens when you go in like, the very format sort of demands that the the protagonist is uh, there because they want to be a hero mm -hmm. and they're going to be a hero and they're going to save the world from the insurgency and then they get bogged down in uh, the ethics of it and they keep trying to fix their last mistake and it just uh, descends and descends and descends until the guy has literally lost his mind. And that's brought across incredibly effectively in, with lots of little ways. Part of it is that... Um, it's a very dialogue-heavy game. You've got two mates that you can give orders to, and the dialogue with those characters like devolves over time as they become more and more suspicious of the main character. Yeah, I really love how within the first hour or so, they uh, their barks are the traditional video game barks of like, yeah. you know, hooting and hollering about headshots and that kind of stuff and calling out enemies. And then as you progress further, they start getting angrier with each other, and the yeah. combat barks are 
sort of screaming at each other and yeah. uh, uh, very dryly will say like kill confirmed instead of hooting and hollering about it. And so seeing that even in just little things like the, the things we, we um, like kind of like the intangibles you don't really think about like, like, you know, combat barks. Um, yeah, again, yeah. there was just a lot of thought put into channeling that, that theme through every facet of the game. Yeah, I remember hearing from the developers that there were multiple phases in the plot and they had like different mm -hmm. pools of combat barks for each phase. So yeah. when he's like, uh, when you shoot an enemy early on in the game, he's just saying like, target down and saying things like, you know, uh, stand down, we're just defending ourselves, etc. And by the end of the game, he's just going, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, almost uh, animalistic. And it's also interesting because the, uh, the, the main character, Martin Walker, is voiced by Nolan North. And I don't yeah. think it's like a uh, 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 direct commentary on it, but you know Nolan North, most famous at the time for being Nathan Drake, who okay. kills a million people and doesn't think about it. You know, doesn't think yeah. twice about it. Um, so it is interesting to have him play this character where, by the end of the game, every death does kind of weigh on yeah. him, and every death does mean something, especially yeah, during the, the big kind of moments people always talk about. With the art as well. Firstly, it's a beautifully realized game in the environments, and the characters mm -hmm. visibly degrade over time. Like, yeah, covered yeah. in dirt, their clothes get torn, the main dude's missing an ear by the end. Yeah, yeah. It seems like half of his face is burnt. It really like shows yeah. the sort of duality that the war is war is portraying. Um, yeah, and it isn't just, um, you know, like Call of Duty. A lot of times in in levels, like even at the time with uh, like a thing like No Russian. Hmm. Um, it'll sort of be like a, a, a broad sweeping war is bad. Look at the things that happen in war. Um, whereas this game, I think, makes direct statements towards like, you know, uh, American intervention. And, and like you said, yeah. what we what we did in the Middle East for, for well over a decade after 9-11. And, and how did any good come from it? Um, yeah. Or did we just ruin more lives? Um, so, yeah. again, See, that yeah. being in the guise of a AAA shooter, I think is really impressive. Yeah, I remember being impressed with Modern Warfare 4 when the nuke hits. Modern Warfare 1, rather. Yeah, Call of Duty 4, yeah, yeah. Where the nuke hits, and it's, uh, and that was like the start of the shocking moment in Call of Duty games where they try to emphasize the horrors of war. But Spec Ops The Line was the first one to sort of directly accuse uh, uh, the horror uh, as coming from either the American side or from the actions of the player. Yeah, so that's it's the other part, interesting it's part, partly, too. Yeah. It's partly a statement against American foreign policy. It's also a statement being made to the player. I mean, it flats out, uh, towards the end of the game, it starts messing with your head with the messages on the loading screen, which up until that, that point yeah. had been like gameplay tips. Then after, like towards the end, the tips are something like, yeah. do you feel like a hero yet? Mm -hmm. like just, just directly calling out the player for uh, uh, the implied mindset that the player character adopts going into a modern warfare shooter. Yeah, and it'll start giving you statistics about war crimes, and then yeah. it'll just end with, well, but this is a game, so what do you really care? Or it'll talk about a character and say that if they made it out, they would most likely have PTSD for the rest of their life, so it's probably a good thing they died. And you start, these things are, you know, subtle and subtle, like the loading screens go from, um, at the beginning of the game, if you if you die and respawn, it's a, it's just like a, you know, a shot of, of the, the sand-baked Dubai landscape, whereas later as you go on, they're they're harsher and those messages are are more uh, uh, speaking directly to you in that like you could have stopped this by just not playing, but you're clearly getting something out of all the killing in this, so you yeah. were complicit in it. I feel like any time because most like modern warfare and like contemporary shooters, 
or even World War II shooters, like cast as the main characters, people who don't really have much drive as a character except to just fight the war. It feels yeah. like whenever they do try to inject humanity into the protagonist of this sort of thing, you end up with something like Spec Ops The Line or something like uh, Wolfenstein The New Order. Yeah. Where there's this real sense of horror and melancholy mm -hmm. uh, about what these people are doing to themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's also, a, like, the, the game does a really good job of um, presenting a mystery from the offset and slowly giving you the pieces of it. Yeah, up until, that's probably uh, the cheesiest element of the plot, the whole um, reveal that a, yeah. a, sort of a fight clubby sort of arrangement was going on. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, we we kind of were dancing around spoilers because I think this is a yeah. game. Um, I played it again. I played it again yesterday. I think it absolutely holds up. Um, you could probably get it on cheap on, on mm. most consoles and, and PC and stuff. So I would say it's worth playing. Uh, yeah, some of those reveals, um, especially at the end, and there's like a couple like last second decisions you can make to get branching endings, and, and you can just yeah. watch those on YouTube. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think the uh, um, it, it does feel a lot like, especially Apocalypse Now, in that uh, it feels episodic in the places you go, and you almost see these. You're like a part of these little vignettes that like put you down further and further into like another layer of hell that I mm. think work out pretty effectively. And despite the fact that you're doing just traditional third person cover shooting, the setting is interesting and does hold up like not necessarily the level design but like you know you're in the middle of the the desert and yet there's this like you know palace that has an aquarium in it and so like all the water in the city is being used by this aquarium and so having a shootout in that place feels uh very strange and very different from you know any other location i've played in a shooter yeah the settings are great and um one of the things i appreciate the most about it is that it's a story that only really works as a video game exactly it translates like the the message of Heart of Darkness into it by playing with uh, the player character's interactivity. I mean, mm -hmm. the uh, the turning point in the plot for me is the white phosphorus scene. Yes, and very very deliberately, this is like like uh, set up like it's all on the player. Mm -hmm. Like like it gives you the tool, and obviously you know you have to use it to proceed it. But you assume like this is just a tool you're using to get to the next part of the game. Yeah. And then it just, and then it it takes like the uh, the unthinking thing you did to just sort of proceed in the gameplay moment, and then like smashes you with the results of it. Yeah, and it's it's done really well in terms of like a mission or two beforehand. You see the enemy attempt to use it on you, mm. and you you don't get hurt, but you see you know the effects of it, and it's like literally just creating hell on earth. Mm. Um, and so then when you have the chance to use it. Uh, uh, you know, you you're, you are viewing it through like a black and white monitor, um, which is something that you know this isn't the first game to do that. I think Modern Warfare's, you know, Call yeah, of Duty's had levels pretty, where yeah, I you're... think pretty much every Modern Warfare game had a, the bit where you were looking from the looking through the night vision camera from the airborne vehicle and just dropping bombs on enemies that couldn't conceivably fight back in any way. Yeah, and it was always presented like you would like a, like a heroic moment. We're saving the day. Yeah. But in those games, you were never really forced to reckon with the results of your actions. And, and no, the way that scene handles it, both with, um, you know, you're viewing the monitor, but you can see, partially see the reflection of Walker. So mm. of, you know, you in the monitor. And so it sort of has a 
kind of a you know a black mirror thing going on there yeah. and then and you get like um, you get like drawn into the like the catharsis of like clearing out the dots and then you get to the end of it and there's this huge cluster of dots and your first thought is oh boy lots of dots to clear here and yeah then, <laughs> more dots for pac-man to eat and then yeah. paf destroy them yeah. all and then whoops <laughs> yeah turns i mean out, turns out these dots weren't uh, the enemy after all i mean we might as i mean i feel like we might as well spoil it i mean it's 10 years old. i feel like that's almost a thing that's be that part of it has entered like the public conscious even if you haven't played the game i'm sure you've heard people talk about the white phosphorus scene yeah well as well as that there's also numerous sort of uh things in the game presented as binary choices that <laughs> secretly aren't which is another little touch i really like about the game yeah yeah like the like i only remember two bits there's the bit where you run into two uh people dangling from a sign yeah and one was a civilian who uh stole water and then another was a soldier who went to reprimand him and then ended up killing the guy's family yeah and the the and voice in your ear says you have to pick one of these two to die mm -hmm. and the game presents it like that's the only choice but actually you can just you can do a bunch of other things you can shoot them both you can shoot neither and walk away you can shoot the ropes holding them up you can shoot yep. the snipers that are that are covering them yeah and yeah with, there's a lot whatever of... you do there's like dialogue examining yeah. your choice yeah and then yeah and I, I again i think that's great especially when you know you sort of try to think outside the box and the game has already thought of that as well and reacts to it um yeah. Yeah, and then there's another choice later on where you there's a sort of a crowd of civilians who are getting angrier and angrier coming towards you, and you can you have a gun and it sort of opens up with you pointing at them, but you can also fire it up in the sky. Yeah, and or so if you fire at them, melee. it turns into a massacre. Whereas if you shoot in the air, everyone yeah. scatters. Or you can melee attack one as well. Or you can melee. Effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I have a question. Oh, also, as a reminder, everyone, uh, we see your super chats. Uh, these are incredible. We're excited to talk about them. Uh, we'll get to your super chats in the back half of the show, and 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 they are highly appreciated. So thank you so much. Um, certainly are. But they are. Yeah, they're wonderful. We couldn't do it without them. Um, I also uh, uh, the opening of the game was something that stuck out with me this time. Um, it opens. Um, it sort of does a a God of War twenty eighteen thing where the. Yeah. the you know, the title screen is on, uh, it says back up the line and it's just view of Dubai with like an American flag on a building upside down in the background. And then uh, if you click start, you immediately see a helicopter go by and you're tossed in media res into that helicopter. Yeah, it's so it's like classic, the title screen is the opening of the game. Classic video game cold open where you start in the middle of a, like a combat scene from way later in the game. And then it goes two days earlier and then you yeah. get all the boring exposition out of the way. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing about that, so it's a turret section on the, on the helicopter, and then, like you said, two days earlier, and you go through whatever, 10, 12 missions, and then you get back to that turret section, and it, you know, you get back to the part where the game began, and Walker says, he says something along the lines of, wait, this isn't right, we already did this. Mm. And then the other guy's like, well, like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, just keep firing, and they're like, okay. Um, and I think that is such an... I don't know like what it means like i guess there's like a reading to where you could say they die in that helicopter crash and that mm. the entire game and then the stuff after that might be like walker's uh -huh, imagination yeah. or him trying to come to terms with things um but i think just sort of adding to the unreliable narrator of it all um i thought it was just a really effective scene with a really effective callback um you know at like the two-thirds mark through the game yeah that sense of unease 
Yeah. As you yeah. Go through. It's a really good game. I guess that's what we're saying. It's a really good game because as well as having like its grim moments and its points that it makes, it's actually got a lot of humanity to it. The characters aren't uh -huh. just monsters. No. I, really, no. I, like the, I like the way they portrayed the character of your two sidekicks. I like the character of the radio man who shows up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and especially as you like kind of meet him when you get there, it seems like this place has like tried to strip away the humanity of everyone who comes into contact with it and you see it happening in real time with, you know, you and then your squad mates, um, Adams and Lugo and everything. Um, I'm curious, do you think, do you think any game in the decade since any uh, shooter primarily has come close to, uh, uh, dealing with its themes in a, in a similar manner as this, um, uh, or even other genres? I mentioned Wolfenstein, the new order earlier. Uh -huh which I feel is a really effective story in the middle of like a sort of a mindless shooter. Yeah. So the, the subsequent sequels kind of let it down a bit, but I really like the the way that's a sort of examination of the aftermath of the World War II shooter uh -huh. concept. Um, you know, the game I keep citing alongside Spec Ops The Line is Doki Doki Literature Club. Okay. Because I feel like that's the same sort of uh, vibe of something that... Uh, something that uses the format of the thing it's satirizing yeah to uh sort of to examine the the, the, the whole thing around it and they both yeah. have the same thing where you have to kind of like uh war shooters to get into spec ops the line and you have to kind of like visual novels to get into doki doki literature club so you can get yeah. to the point where it kicks you in the balls do you think uh I, I we've talked about this before i haven't played undertale does undertale do a similar thing with the uh, i guess the rpg genre it's not quite the same thing but yeah it does have that sort of meta narrative aspect where it plays with uh -huh. the player's relationship to the world of the game i'd say yeah. that's like that's part of what spec ops the line does but in undertale i think it's very much uh up in the forefront that's sort of everything dis disconnect yeah. between player and the world that our protagonist is in so yeah, out yeah lying to you about who the particular protagonist is in relation to you sure sure yeah um a few of the things that i had came to mind well just in terms of like a game being anti-war um not shooters but valiant hearts and this war of mine yeah I like those two. That that war, this, yeah this war of mine is a very good uh start yeah. examination of the world the war creates yeah, yeah. Um, but in terms of games that use their their the medium and their genre to deliver the message, uh, everyone's gonna make fun of it. But Metal Gear Solid Two, especially, um, yeah, especially was... the last couple hours of it. Yeah, it was it was poking at that. Yeah, and especially in so much of it is framed around uh, uh, it being a sequel to the first game and mm -hmm. what players expect from a sequel to a game. Um, and it, it very much, in a similar way that it felt like uh, Jaeger was seemingly given free reign to, to tell this story, it feels mm -hmm. like Kojima was given free reign to kind of spit in the face of what folks wanted from a Metal Gear Solid 2 in a, in a pretty interesting way. And I think that's a game that over time has developed more of an esteem than... Uh, it did in the moment. Well, I will also bring up the Stanley Parable then, if you want to talk about games that yeah. use the format of the video game to examine the tropes yeah. of an, of interactive media. 
Yeah. In fact, uh, didn't J-Mate put a video up about that very Just recently? went live today for uh, for everyone. It went live last week for members, and for today, uh, anyone can watch his Anatomy of the Stanley Parable, and it's all well, about player choice. The illusion of player out. choice. I've yeah. Had an, I, I've had an idea for a game. I've only, it's only really an idea for like the first part of the game. I don't know how to follow up it. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, if I ever had like a AAA sort of budget and studio under me, it starts like okay. as like a classic war shooter uh, where you press start on the title screen and it fades up and you're in a helicopter and uh, you're, you're a Marine and you're surrounded by other Marines and you've all got guns and you're all talking shit and saying, oh yeah, I, this is my last tour. I'm going to go and show those bugs what for. Yeah. And then like someone will direct a question to the protagonist and the protagonist goes, what are you talking about? Who are you? How did I get here? The last thing I remember was just a screen with press start written on it. So they literally just formed yeah. at the start of the game. Yeah. I just, I don't know. That's just a scenario that appeared in my head that I'd like yeah. to do a game. And that feels like that would be something that would be pretty, pretty impactful right from the get go. And possibly um, in the same game, I had an idea where it, you go into gameplay and it's like a third person shooter and you're in a war and you run out towards the war and then suddenly something goes now and a big net comes down over the camera rather than the player than the player oh, that, I love it. yeah and then like the next thing you like you're in first person mode but you're in like a sealed cage in a laboratory and everyone's going so what the hell is it i don't know but it keeps making things want to shoot people <laughs> I like this. I, li I like this a lot. I think uh, someone uh, chat, someone uh, give a super chat of a couple million dollars so that Yahtzee can make this game, please. Well, as I said, I have no idea how to follow that up. It's just a vis um, just a scenario I have for a, like uh, introductory moment to, to shock the player with. Listen, we just we start there, and the rest of the game will make itself easy peasy. Uh, yeah, um, be as easy as when that. we. Yeah, right. When we were talking about. Uh, other games again that use the 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 medium to uh, tell their message. A couple of folks brought up uh, near Automata, which I completely agree with, and uh, I would say that I guess the the verdict will have to be out to see how it actually wraps up. But uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake project, which they officially announced is going to be a trilogy, and and they announced that that the second game should be coming out next winter. Um, it feels like it is. Uh, directly commentating on um, if Metal Gear Solid 2 was commentating on what it means to be a sequel, this is commenting on what it takes to be a remake or what got we that think impression. of a remake in our minds. I yeah, got that impression. It was just really prolonged and boring. But, uh, yeah. um, they introduced <laughs> this whole thing with these weird hooded beings and it yeah. sort of feels like these hooded beings are the guardians of the canon as established by the original game. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So um, they try to like ensure that the same people die that died in the in the original game and all. Of yeah, that. and then you get these these um, these sort of moments at the very end of the, of part one of the remake where you realize like, oh, this is going off in a different direction, and this isn't um, you know this isn't going to be a remake, but it's going to be a new story that is in conversation with the original, which we we see in in film pretty often um, or TV, like the Damon Lindelof's Watchmen series was very much in conversation with the both the Watchmen movie and the Watchmen graphic novel. And then uh, I would say a similar thing with like the, the fourth Matrix movie, which, like it or not, a lot of people did not like it. Uh, I thought had some interesting stuff to say about what it means to reboot a, a series. Of, I think a lot of people just dismissed that out of hand. Cause I think so too. It was, it was just, just on HBO Max, what felt less like 
Just another bringing back of an old franchise because no one's got any ideas anymore. Yeah. Listen, I always appreciate when someone just gets their bag but then tries to do something interesting with it. So make your money and at least swing for a fence, even if you just completely miss. Shall we start on these Super Chats? Yeah, we can start on Super Chats. Yeah, and once again, we we, we so greatly appreciate your Super Chats. That's what helped fund uh, all of our shows from Adventures Nigh to this to to EP, to The Anatomy, all your favorite shows. So thank you guys so much. Everyone calls it EP. I usually call it XP, because it's extra punctuation. Uh, I, I call it EP because when I have a calendar of all of our stuff, and I just re refer to it as the letter E and the letter P. So that's okay. mostly what I'll do. I do like XP, because it is like, okay, we'll see if I can change my calendar. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, starting at the top, we have a super chat from Ricky, who gives five Canadian dollars, says, don't forget to talk about the loading screen messages when you die a lot. Mm. That message involving Lugos still haunts me when I think about this game. Yes, again, uh, with, this highlights the issue with saving super chats for the second half of the podcast. <laughs> uh, what, yeah, one thing that was funny is when I did my replay, I just wanted to get through it as quickly as possible, so I put it on like super easy, and I think I only died in like twice. Um, and so I ended up going online to look at a uh, like a, a montage of all the different loading screen messages. And again, I just think it's I, I, I think two K deserves a little bit of credit not only for publishing this, but it's also you know they they funded and published the Bioshock games, like which. Yeah. I would say, you know, no matter what your temperature on them is, tried to do some interesting stuff with shooters and, and immersive sims in a, in a AAA landscape. And well, I just wish that's, yeah, that's undeniable. other people did that. Yeah, I just really wish, really wish we got more of that because every time Call of Duty yeah. seems like they try to do something, it feels very like mm, I wish dipping a toe just, in the water. I wish publishers would just fund a bunch of weirdos who want to make weird ideas. And one bank on at least one of them paying for the rest because that's how it used to work before everything was just yeah. trying to chase success all the time yeah yeah and you know 2k and take two have the you know they they are have call or uh grand theft auto bucks so i feel like those grand theft auto bucks should be able to pay for you know any number of weird experimental things like this hmm andrew white winter gives two dollars and says enjoying the man who was thursday thanks for the wreck the Man Who Was Thursday by G.K. Chesterton. That I like to, think, I like to think, yeah, I recommended it in a podcast not too long ago. Because mm. uh, I like to think the kind of stuff I write in my books is part of a long tradition in funny writing that goes through mm. uh, Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett, P.G. Woodhouse. But I would say at the very start of that tradition are two writers, <clears throat> and those are Jerome K. Jerome, and G.K. Chesterton's The Man Who Was Thursday. So I recommend either of those if you want to see, like, the roots of that style of writing that I like. Uh, I just Googled it, and uh, apparently the full official title is The Man Who Was Thursday, colon, A Nightmare. I feel like everything should just end with colon, A Nightmare. 
It's pretty much it's what a, everything in life is. It's a weird book, man. It was Thursday, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's great. Uh, I'm not Greg Graffin. Gives four ninety nine euros. Says yeah. As a writer, which is a more relatable character trait? A protagonist so hungry they eat, or one so tired they sleep? You can't have both. Seems a bit arbitrary. I'm not Greg Graffin. Um, uh, what is more relatable? What is more relatable? Someone more who relatable. eats or someone who sleeps? I mean, they would both be relatable, right? Well, I would say, uh, I guess what they're asking is, uh, what would you more understand a character doing in the middle of a scene if it was a really bad idea to do it? I would say it's more understandable for a character to fall asleep if they're really tired, because that takes yeah. like literally no effort. Whereas eating something they probably shouldn't eat yeah. uh, requires quite a few mental steps. Yeah, that was always something I found interesting when uh, there was that show 24 that came out, like speaking of post 9-11 stuff, um, mm. you know, that but, but the whole thing was it was 24 episodes in a season. It was supposed to chronicle in real time this whatever mystery kidnapping thing. And I was always like, so these people are just like up for 24 hours and they're not like eating or taking a shit or sleeping or anything. Or do we just not see them when they're doing that? Dramatic license. More, shit. More shitting on TV. I just want I just want real time shitting on TV. Is that too much to ask? Well, you have to ask if it serves the intent of the narrative, I suppose. Yeah, for a character to just get diarrhea for, like, an episode. Yeah. yeah. If you want to bring across as a major theme that, um, you know, even action heroes are as human and full of squishy biology as the rest of us. Exactly. Again, Hideo Kojima knows it. They have Johnny Sasaki, the one character who's, who's shitting in every, in every game. Well, the real question is, when was Solid Snake letting go? Exactly. That, did he just, like, let out a sneaky one while he was in the box and no one could see? Yeah. <laughs> that's, why, yeah. that's why all the wolves are so attracted. Hey, in Death Stranding, you can pee. You have a pee button. So there's, there's a reason why it's called Going Commando. Because that used to be associated with commandos needing to, like, quickly go in the field. They just slip their trousers down and let fly and uh, be on their way. There you go. See, this, these are the topics games should be dealing with. There you go. Weirdurko Piasco, probably pronouncing that horribly, gives 250 PLNs to say, is it, oh, okay. is it weird or good that The Line was the only war shooter campaign I ever enjoyed? Also, you blew my mind in the beginning with Spec Ops being a series. Are the other games worth playing or was The Line a one-off thing where the right light is loose? No, I think that was just a case of publishers having the name hanging around. The way they yeah. make Prey call itself Prey. Yeah, I think very much the other ones were like the, the Rainbow Six knockoffs yeah, kind of thing. Just, like, I don't were, think any basic, of them had stories. They were basic tactical shooters. Yeah, as yeah. I understand it. Can you think of another example of something where the first X amount, in this case seven, are completely forgettable, and then all of a sudden one comes out that's, you know, genuinely remarkable? Like, well, again, would it be like if, I, like, a Madden game suddenly was like, oh, this Madden <laughs> game has a story and it's really emotional? It's not quite the same thing. No. It makes me think of Wolfenstein The New Order again. Because the Wolfenstein games are good, but they're always, like, yeah. fairly unthinking Nazi shooters. Yeah, it is true. And it is. It, it feels like, you know, BJ Blazkowicz was just like yeah. a... a you know, it was, you know, the player avatar of this uh, uh, Jewish hero who was able to, you know, overpower the shitty Nazi mechs, whereas, you know, they made him an actual character in the new one. Yeah, and I guess yeah. that was, you know, after several reboots of the series. <sighs> I can't think of anything else that took that much of a turn. 
Yeah, I don't know if you could. I mean, I imagine with the right story, you could dredge up any, you know, IP. Like this could have Spec Ops line could have very easily been SOCOM the line, or mm. you know, Rainbow Six the line. Like it, it nothing about the specs Spec Opsy nature of it. So, I think with any, you know, with the right story, you could probably kind of just marry it with a dormant IP and and probably get something yeah. special out of it. It was just a name that no one was really using, and no. it's better to have name recognition than not. Yeah. Whatever name recognition one gets from being associated with the Spec Ops series. Yeah, that's the thing, is even when I, I mean, a bunch of people I see in chat were like, I had no idea this was a series. So you're wondering, like, what is the point of the name recognition, other than maybe the logo, like, the font on the logo has already well, been chosen, so you don't have to deal with it. If it makes, like, the two Spec Ops fans that the Spec Ops series had by it, then that's two more sales that it would have had otherwise. That's true. I want I want to meet the one person who was like, this isn't my Spec Ops. Get your woke politics <laughs> out of my Spec Ops. Such, there must be someone, surely. There were Do people talking this... They were talking shit about Silent Hill 2 when it came out, just because it didn't continue That's the true. plot of Silent Hill 1. No that one, is, no one remembers those people. No. Well, also, they didn't have, like, the internet wasn't as ubiquitous as it is now, so we didn't have to hear about it, I guess, at least. Do you think this game, how do you think this game would be received if it were released now? Obviously with, like, you know, the modern sensibilities, tech-wise and everything. I think it, a lot of people would say that it's long past its time, because as we say, it was uh, it came out around the time when the short campaign linear war shooter was ruling the uh -huh. roost. It would it would be yeah. a lot less relevant these days. You'd need to make a critical game about an open world or about the Last of Us. I don't know. Yeah. I, I the, feel like there would... The, it would still be a good game. It just wouldn't have the impact. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and I guess like you said, this was right in the right in the thick of, you know, Gears of War and, and um you know, those those things at the time. I do wonder if they, it would have a backlash of people getting mad that it politicized their shooters, which I feel like anything that has anything to say now gets backlash at. Hmm. Uh, Ricky comes back and gives 10 Canadian dollars and says Spec Ops, Undertale, Genocide Route, and The Last Chapter of The Last of Us are the only games that have made me uncomfortable while trying to reach the main objective. We need more experiences like these. Yeah, and I think those, like you've been mentioning the end of the original Last of Us, I think that is interesting because you've already devoted so much time to a thing that by this point you're like, oh god, like what is it making me do? Like... You know, it's sort of an "Are we the baddies?" moment. Um, but then I, but I then there's also games like I think of when I was playing God of War three, and mm. I was thinking, you know, I feel like the most humanitarian thing we could do at this point is just not play anymore. Yeah, we're just yeah. fucking things up. But it's not quite the same feeling because it definitely mm. wasn't like uh, you you weren't definitely weren't supposed to create this sense of questioning our actions as the player. I think it was just bringing across the Kratos as a big mad bastard. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's pretty telling that by the time the God of War uh, 2018 came out, all those sort of things were like, you need to use a, a sacrifice a random yeah. woman in order to open a trap, to open a door. Like those sort of things were very much left at the wayside as the game, um, I guess, grew up. Quote unquote. I guess it's possible God of War 3 was just being a bit too hyperactive with it. It was like, yeah, you get yeah. to fuck things up. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And I'm like, well, is, is there anything else? Like, <laughs> what else do we have going on? Could we just not do that? Can we go yeah. home? Yeah. Uh, Chaos Chris gives $5. Says Spec Ops passing the line and the breaks don't work. 
There you go. There you go. See, there's there's all there's all sorts of routes yeah, we can you, uh, you, we can take. You certainly us. grasp the nuance of the subtitle there. It's a game about yeah. cross where the line is yeah. and crossing the line. <laughs> uh, Ricky again, blimey! Ricky keeps coming back. Ricky. He keeps remembering things he forgot to say. He's like Columbo. He <laughs> was five dollars, five Canadian dollars, and says, "Yahtzee, you mentioned that you watched Neon Genesis Evangelion and Cowboy Bebop in your extra punctuation. Not recommending anything, but have you watched the movies for those two series?" I seem to remember watching the movies of both, and I don't really remember anything about either of them. Was it the movie? Was it in the movie where in Neon Genesis Evangelion where the main character jerks off over an unconscious girl? Yes, it's right at the beginning of the end of Evangelion. That's correct. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember nothing about the Cowboy Bebop movie. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, the movie, is almost just like a longer episode, and it takes place like in between two episodes near the yeah, end of the I remember, series. So. I remember that much. Yeah, whereas End of Eva you know, is very much like the ending of the story. Yeah, because the end of the story of Cowboy Bebop happens in the series, because, you know, yes, yeah. there's that explosive shootout finale and all the characters yeah. split up. Uh, and then also with uh, Evangelion, the creator came back and did a series of four movies that just finished last year called The Rebuild. And it was almost, again, it, like we were talking about Final Fantasy, is something that starts as a remake and then quickly becomes a commentary about revisiting your art. Um, mm. Which, yeah, yeah I, I think it's neat. A lot of people don't. Okay. Yeah. I, feel yeah. Like I also like how... Revisit Rick your old work too much. Yeah. Uh, you can also revisit your own, your own work without making new work about it. But um, yeah, I thought the movie was good. I also like how Ricky very, very specifically was like, I'm not trying to tell you to watch something. Like, don't yell at me. Just curious. So good on you, well, Ricky. I, I did make that point very clearly. That you don't I want the weebs coming in your mentions and, and yeah. telling you what to watch? Yeah. If you want to, like, to recommend stuff I might watch, recommend like YouTube video essayists who talk about game design and... Uh, uh, real life shitheads who uh, received a comeuppance. Like, I like Perfect. I like watching video essays about the fire festival and that sort of thing. Oh my god, that's a that's that's a great one. Yeah. Uh, uh, like history podcasts generally. I listen to the dollop a lot. Mm. You listen to hardcore history? No, I think I tried to. I, I like the dollop because it's like just two guys talking about like the one dude telling a story from American history and the other guy hasn't heard it before and so you get reactions and oh both that's like cool and they're both like stand-up comedians and improv comedians as well so they're pretty funny oh with it. I like that so it's, it's like every episode just like a different topic yeah I like the, a story nice. from a story from American history I like it I can recommend it there's like 500 episodes so there's plenty to get through perfect uh, Flip Party gives $5 and says three weeks late, but instead of remakes, make a link between world style games where characters return to old remix locations. What do you think? Uh, three weeks late. Oh, okay. This was in reference to a remakes episode a couple weeks ago. Okay. Well, uh, make well, a... I'll tell you what you made me think of. You made me think of Space Quest 4, where, and there's a okay. whole sequence in that game where you use a time machine to go back to Space Quest 1, and everything's in AGI graphics again. That's really neat. I like that. It, it was kind of cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know how many games... That's like a good example of that. Like, movies and time travel stuff have off... You know, Back to the Future 2 has him going back to Back to the Future 1, that kind of mm. thing. Um, I don't know many games that do that. Um, but I do think that would be interesting. And I, Yeah, I, I would like that. There's also like sure. a... 
there's like a Easter egg in Monkey Island three where you stick your head in a hole and it comes out in Monkey Island one. That's right. I remember that. Yeah. But most of the time, this is just like used as a, an Easter egg, as a little yeah. joke. Well, having said that, in Monkey Island two, there's a bit towards the end where it starts getting weird and meta, where you go through a door and find yourself in a like a location in Monkey Island one, and it's not really treated as a gag. It's more sort of revealing that there's something wrong with the world. Okay. Yeah, I like I like that. Which is again a metal, a very Metal Gear Solid two E thing. Hmm. Way ahead of its time, Monkey Island two. Yeah. It seems. Uh, Storm Templar gives two dollars and says, "What do you think of the music in Spec Ops: The Line?" I completely uh, <laughs> forgot it. I, I don't. Know. Uh, I think the uh, listen. I literally replayed the game this weekend. I couldn't tell you anything about the score. But it does have uh, interesting music. The title screen is uh, the uh, famous Jimi Hendrix uh, National Anthem, the guitar riff. Um, and then there are moments of using uh, diegetic music because, like, uh, Yahtzee was mentioning that there's a character, like, who's just radio DJ. And you keep hearing him in the speakers of levels, and he's talking to you, and he's clearly insane. Um, and he starts playing songs that are very much like the kind of songs you'd expect to see in a Vietnam War movie. Um, mm -hmm. Very much like kind of you know ccr the doors that kind of stuff uh and so having that stuff blare in the middle of a gunfight out of speakers in the room i yeah, think was pretty effective you. specifically yeah to taunt yeah the character. yeah and then even like choosing very like music that you would have been like i assume this has already been used in like platoon or forrest gump or you yeah. know a movie about the time so yeah, the licensed music is used very effectively. Otherwise, I've always felt that a soundtrack is doing its job really well if you don't notice it. So good job, Spec yeah. Ops The Line soundtrack. Yeah, well done. Uh, Vactor, member for 25 months in early access, blimey, who says, oh. hold the line to What Is My Line by Endgame. Yes. So the game is very much, the, the line subtitle is very much about the line, you know, mm. we draw that we say we're not yes. going to cross. The line we're going to hold. Yes. Yeah. Whose line is it anyway? Exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. But just not uh, slightly less uh, improv. Uh, Ricky, again, comes back Ricky. and gives two Canadian dollars and says, Game is straight up F U B A R. Fubar. Fucked yeah. up beyond recognition. Look at yeah. that. Yeah. Everyone knows what Fubar stands for. I was, I was never sure what Snafu meant, but apparently it stands for situation normal, all fucked up. It's really neat. I didn't know that. Uh, Shashank seven one seventy. Welcome to early access. I feel like I've seen your name here for a while. Shashank seven one seventy. Hey, hey Shash Yeah, Shashank's been part of the Gray Crew for years. So, so yeah. congrats. Welcome to the to the Green Gang. Finally, you took your time. <laughs> the dogmatic director gives two dollars and says, "Tried Spec Ops, but I hate war FPS, so I got bored." Well, that was my point. Uh, dogmatic director, you have to like war shooters. Yeah, uh, up to the point where you can at least play a war shooter to its conclusion. Yeah. But I would even recommend uh, uh, again, just do what I did. You can you can kick the the difficulty down to the extremely easy, and uh, just lets you experience the story and it's in and out within three and a half four hours. So there you go. Do that. <clears throat> SVS Guru two thousand gives five euros. Says is Yahtzee's idea of the player being literally transported into the game an isekai. Well, I hadn't pictured it like that as Fuzgur 2000. 
I pictured it more like the player is some kind of bodiless entity that can possess people and turn them into shooter protagonists. Okay, I like that. So you're like, it's like a, a driver of San Francisco? Yeah, uh, yeah, that <laughs> works. <laughs> with shooter said, protags? Like I said before, like the driver of San Francisco, jump out of your body and possess someone else uh, mechanic would be really good in like a Hitman style game. So if the cock of Cascade like started, you could get the fuck out of that body and immediately yeah. get back into stealthy mode with someone else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it feels like uh, there's a kernel of that in Watch Dogs 3. Yeah. With all the different, all the different player characters. Sort of. I think more of Messiah. Do you remember that? I it's remember the name. I don't think I ever played it's it. It's a very old game where you play as like a cherub and you... It's sort of like a pseudo-immersive sim third-person adventure okay. thing where the, the objective is to possess people with specific like clearance and abilities in order to get through the levels okay interesting uh local apotheque however you say that gave us five dollars and says yards have you played citizen sleeper seems like it's very much trying to evoke disco elysium but i'd be curious to hear what you think of it no i have not played that yeah that's on that's on my list it got uh really really good reviews uh just came out i think a month ago or so um i believe it's on game pass for pc um, it's by the folks who made in other waters a few years ago which was a really interestingly presented um indie game about exploring uh in, uh, an underwater planet that okay. i thought was really neat i'm seeing it yeah. on steam yeah it's uh yeah apparently it's available on uh pc game pass if you have it Huh, no, or a regular game pass some sort of game pass. i'll just buy it on steam because i can write all my game purchases off of my taxes there you go uh well yeah short on things to play in the last few weeks yeah it is uh well there's like a, a nice constant drip of like smaller indie stuff but um yes i was saying yeah, to you before i've been playing card shark which i was yeah surprised by how much i enjoyed um, I'm excited to play, uh, there's a game coming out uh, in a few days called Elekhead that was, it came to Steam uh, a while ago, but it's just coming to Switch and consoles, I think, later this week. That is um, like a one-man show Japanese indie game that's a very, like, uh, platform, like a puzzle platformer, but it was one of Jack's favorite games a few years ago, and so I'm excited for it to finally coming to consoles. So. Oh, I just saw some character art in Citizen Sleeper. That's very Cal Arts, isn't it? Yeah, right? I think Citizen Sleeper is also pretty short, which is nice. Big fan. Right. Okay. Uh, Tyler Bioshock Rodriguez gives a nice middle name there. We yeah. know what your parents liked. Gives $5. <laughs> Says there was a great interview with the Spec Ops developer about how he feels the six days in Faluha game is going to be awful because it ignores horror. Mm -hmm. uh, and then right below hand, Nick commented, that was our interview with them. That's nice. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Check that out. Yeah. Uh, do you do you uh, were you following that Six Days in Fallujah game at all? Can't say I was. Yeah, that was a game that uh, was announced a while ago. It was canceled, and now it's in theory coming back, but um, received a lot of flack for how it portrayed the, the, like sort of war and war crimes and the conflict in the Middle East and everything. Um, mm. Then I haven't heard from it in like a year or a year and a half. So I'm not even sure if it's still in development, to be honest. Uh, Michael Frank gives $4.99 and says, MGS5 is a great anti-war game. Snake becomes a monster by the end, massacring a medical wig in a mirror of the hospital at the start of the game. 
Yeah. The thing about Hideo Kojima games, though, is that they do like 500 different things. So... Yeah. <laughs> uh, especially Metal Gear Solid Five, very much seems like a uh, a, a Vegas buffet of yeah, uh, yeah. themes. Um, none of them are Michelin star, but uh, you get a lot of different ideas. Yeah, so you, can on, you can always focus on a couple of really good standout moments in like Metal Gear games. Yeah. Like the yeah. fight in Metal Gear Solid 1. Or yeah, uh, yeah. some other bosses in, like, like uh, uh, what's his name? The Sorrow in Metal Gear Solid 3. Yeah, the walking down the river and having to deal with every murder you've committed yeah. in the game was, so far. That was cool. That was a good idea. That's a, he was a good idea, man. Yeah. good idea, man, is Hideo Kojima. He just has a habit of, like, cramming all of them into one huge game. Also, good idea, man, sounds like a character in Death Stranding 2. There you go. You had Die Hard Man, so we can have Good Idea Man. No one can predict what names he's going to come up with for his characters. <laughs> Truly That's not. the beauty of him. Uh, Apoor Verlal, member for 11 months in early access, says, Recommendation Isaac Steele and the Forever Man, Douglas Adamsy, apparently. Is that, that's not a thing you're aware of? I, I wasn't, no. Uh, it's a book. By a man named Daniel Rigby. Okay. That sounds like a nice name. Daniel Rigby. Any relation to Eleanor? Uh, oh no. Is he is he a part of that song? That would be... Does hopefully everything worked out for Daniel. Keep his face in a jar by the door or whatever else. <laughs> and who is it for? Uh, Beast Gamer gives $2 and says, I nominate Cod World at War as a good war game. I think that's the I one that I didn't I literally like. read that as Breast of War, Breast Gamer. If you like. What is wrong? Uh, Call of Duty World at War. That's like kind of one of the forgotten ones. I think that was like in the middle of the early Modern Warfare and Black Ops games, and it didn't sell nearly as well as any of them, so they never went back to hmm. that thing. But there's also, I'm not saying there's not good war games, um, but I think I was mostly saying like that have something to say. And as far as I remember, like most of the Call of Duty games don't really say anything, even if they have entertaining campaigns. And you don't have to, like, to be clear, you can be a great shooter campaign without really having, a, a like, a deep and, and real thesis to you. Like, I think Titanfall 2 is probably my favorite shooter campaign of the last decade, and mostly just because it's doing a lot of cool shit and the action feels good and is constantly throwing new scenarios at you, not because of, like, what it's about. Hmm. Uh... Eric Tile Dysfunction ah. gives seventeen ninety nine British pounds and says, just from your game idea, Yarts, a game where the camera is a being in and of itself, like a Venom kind of thing, where you are a separate entity to the NPC you're possessing, conflict with, and fighting for control. Yeah, that was my thinking. That could be interesting. I had another idea for a game that was going to be like a point-and-click adventure game, where you were controlling a dude, and the dude sort of starts becoming aware that you're controlling him and you have to sort of balance uh doing things that are entirely in character for him like going around like getting dressed brushing his teeth getting his breakfast okay. we're getting him to achieve like objectives without him realizing you're trying to control him yeah make it make him still believe that he has like yeah. you know autonomy and he has agency so he made him do something that was completely out of character straight off the bat. He would go mad and start smashing the screen with a hammer or something. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I like that. Uh, um, Dor it's Dor funny when, 
Sorry. Go oh no, God. Oh no, I was going to say the uh, the idea of uh, a camera being its own entity. Uh, one of the few games I could think that really deal with that weirdly enough is Mario sixty four. Mm. It very much shows that your third person camera is like a Lakitu with a camera yeah. on a on a fishing pole. So there you go. And then there's games like um, Republic, where the main you were literally is, looking through cameras. Yeah, yeah, the main character is like an invisible entity that's controlling the security cameras. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doran Grossman Naples gives five dollars and says, "In light of OW two going F two P, Overwatch two, is that yep. what that is? Yep. Are there any monetization methods for live service games that are ethical, or at least don't mess up the game's design?" Well, I've always been fond of you pay them some money and then you have the game forever mm, the old uh yeah <laughs> the old video game purchase thing yeah, it's slightly disturbing um, how normalized all this other shit has gotten situations where you can theoretically spend infinite amounts of money on a game in return yeah. for things that it costs the developer nothing to provide you like in-game currency yeah and and things that very much tap into sort of uh, uh, the the gambling mentality and the like endorphin drip you get of of doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I think it's always uh, everyone should vote with their wallet. And if we don't want to see these kinds of things in games like this or, or or Diablo Immortal, then don't give them the money and send them the message. Hopefully, maybe that'll work for next time. But um, yeah. Get right on that. Get right on not giving them money. It's all yeah. your fault. <laughs> I don't know if there's other more um, ethical methods of monetization. Like, I think the most ethical, like Yasu said, is how games have always been, yeah. where you just pay a single entry fee and then do whatever you want. No ethical consumption under capitalism and all that. Nope. nope. King Dead Forty Two gives five dollars. Says next Madden game career ends in dealing with CTE and trying to support your family. Real tearjerker. There you go. Who knows? That There's could a be a lot like a lot of indie sort of pseudo sports sims that bring in like life problems. I want to. Yeah. Want... See, I want to. I want a game like that. Like that game Punch Club. Where it was, mm. you were trying to like make it big in fighting leagues, but you also had to deal with feeding yourself and making enough money to survive. Yeah, yeah. Give me more depressing sports games. Fill my ass up. Welcome to Tip Jar. Filled, filled up so high you reached the tip jar. Welcome, J- Phil. gives five dollars and says, I love Spec Ops on PS3. I wish it would be remastered so a new generation could experience it. Why not? They remaster every other generic game. I think the fact that it was that a major publisher allowed it to be made in the first place was a minor miracle of its in itself. Yeah, you can still also, get it on Steam, can't you? You can get it on Steam. You can get it. I I grabbed it uh, a few months ago, actually, on um, digitally on Xbox, and it was on sale for like three dollars. Um, and it plays just fine on a Series X. So, um, yeah, yeah, you can get it, it on it's, Steam. It's pretty easy to play. You can get it on Steam right now for thirty dollars. Exactly That's how why is well thirty dollars. Exactly how well it runs on modern computers. Yeah, I don't um, know. But looking at screenshots, yeah, I, oh blimey! I'm looking at screenshots, I forgot how brown and full of bloom graphics were at this time. Incre- every, it is brown, and every surface inside is very shiny. There's a lot of shine to this remember, game. Remember all the blurry bloom. Bloody! I, I like. I I blame Twilight Princess for that. Okay, you think that was the game that led yeah. started that trend? So much bloom, so much blur. <laughs> so much bloom, too much bloom. 
Uh, Tyler Bioshock Rodriguez comes back to give $10 and says, Important question. Spec Ops The Line is one of the few games that really had something to say. So many modern games are homogenized and don't say anything. How many games now have a point beyond fun? Well, not so many uh, in the AAA space, I'll grant you. No. Yeah, that's... Uh, I don't think there's none, but uh, it's definitely not often we get a game that comes along doing that. A lot in the, lot in the indie space, though. Yeah, yeah. I would say most of the games we probably over the last year or two we've talked about really enjoying have interesting things to say, whether it's, um, you know, Spirit Fair, Unpacking, Before Your Eyes. Uh, in Sort gives $5, says, Have you checked out Noah Caldwell Gervais' video essay on Gears of War? The series may be a better Spec Ops than Spec Ops. No, I haven't seen that specific one. Noah Caldwell Gervais has a tendency to bang on a bit. They are very long. I do like his points, but some of his essays... He has like a six-hour video. That's too many yeah, hours. That's pretty insane. That's too, that's too long. Um, I do, I, without having seen the videos, I don't think I agree that Gears of War is a better Spec Ops than Spec Ops. No. Gears of War is a better shooter than Spec Ops, <laughs> but yeah, I don't right. think it's a better... Yeah. Uh, Reigns gives five Canadian dollars and says, Yati, long-time fan, been following ZP since forever. Do you feel jaded to modern games and long for a past era of games? I try not to get stuck in that mindset because, you know, nostalgia goggles. Mm -hmm. We've all been a victim of those. But I do think there is there are a lot of problems with AAA games at the moment that they didn't used to have. Yeah. But maybe it's just, you know, it's not so much things get worse as things change. And we overlook yeah. the problems of the olden times as, as nostalgia sets in. Absolutely. Rose-tinted glasses. And then you see a screenshot from Spec Ops Line, and you're like, man, that was a very brown and bloomy era, wasn't it? Everyone says the world's going to end soon, or civilization's going to end soon, and I'm mm -hmm. like, no, civilization is probably going to change, but it always has yeah. done. Yeah. Go back 50 years, and the world seems like a very different place. Absolutely. Cadmon Alima gives $5 and says, I certainly feel Fallout 4's... But oh, did I forgot to mention Dark Horse there? Dark oh, Horse, welcome, welcome to bonus content. Uh, Cadwana Lima gives five dollars. Says I certainly feel Fallout 4's best ending is never getting the end of any of any faction's story. Destroy the Brotherhood, though. Okay. Does I don't have a lot of time to follow games. Are they like? Do they have interesting things to say about war? Other than it was bad and it blew up I'm the not world. Sure I've said that about Fallout 4. Yeah. Fallout 4 is more about ooh, our robots people. Great question. More like standard sci-fi question, I, I suppose. That. A great question that has been asked 10,000 times before. Yeah. Uh, Will Cooling gives two pounds, says, Will you have to be reviewing the new TNMT game? What does that stand for? Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, that would be TMNT. And Will Cooling said TNMT. Teenage so, Ninja Mutant Turtles. I assume he's talking about... Um... The naughty, melancholy tramp. Well, I might enjoy a game about the naughty, melancholy tramp. Who do you think would be a good developer to make the naughty, melancholy tramp? Lucas Pope. Lucas Pope? Yeah. Suda? Suda would be good. Have that be Miyazaki's next game after Elden Ring? There you go. Yeah. I haven't played the new TMNT. I'm kind of... I don't really like side-on retro-style brawlers. I played... Uh, Streets of Rage 4, I don't really feel like I got much to say about that genre. 
I'm sure so, people who like that sort of thing like it. We played through 99% of it on game night um, over the weekend. So it's also a nice bite-sized thing. What did you think of it? Um, I thought it felt like every brawler I ever played growing up. Well, I that, had fun that playing was my, it alongside. That was my concern, yes. I had fun playing it alongside five other people, and I'm never going to think of it again. You go sideways and you punch dudes. And the punches do. don't hit if you're like two inches lower down yep. on the screen than they are. You can also eat pizza to get health, which that's the first time in, in games oh, you've wow. ever been able to eat food for health. Would never have anticipated that of a... <laughs> retro style brawler featuring the yeah. teenage mutant ninja turtles exactly that, i've been thrown for a loop by that little revelation <laughs> and no mistake oh you need to review it uh dark horse gives 345.73 rupees to say found the line in one of them bootleg cds only knew cod and igi as military shooters until then fracking traumatized me for weeks probably made a less horrible person well maybe you shouldn't frack so much Hey, that little fracking joke for you guys. I don't know what's IGI. Is Project that a, is that Project IGI. That's a very old game. Oh, I don't. I, even I know think that. everyone's forgotten about that except me just yeah. now. <laughs> um, you know what yeah, it stands that's cool. for? It's, you know what it stands for? It stands for Project I'm Going In. That's why it was called <laughs> IGI. That's a, a terrible. That's a really bad name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's probably why it, they didn't get any sequels then, isn't it? <laughs> See, what if someone needs to get the rights to IGI and make a really uh -huh. good I'm going in game? Yeah, except it, this one's about keyhole surgery. Yeah. I'm going in. Kiosk Chris gives $5 and says, Spec Ops, where the points don't matter and the guns really do hurt. If you like. Yeah, it checks out. Andre Dream, welcome to Early Access. Welcome, Andre. No message though. Uh, Rendworth gave us five dollars and says, "Ever tried there is no game where the plot starts off by trying to keep you from playing the game and things keep getting messed up by the player." I think I've played I, that one. Yeah, I was actually yeah. going to recommend that when you were talking about some of those things in Monkey Island. Um, there is no game. I think it's available on. I played on iOS. I assume it's available on PC, maybe consoles. Yeah, um, I'm not playing it. I sort of grouped it in my head with those old "Don't press the red button" flash games that, that used yeah. to be an old genre. Yeah, yeah. It's mostly little sort of like adventure game esque puzzles, um, but it does a lot, it does some interesting, cute sort of like mm. winky things with breaking the fourth wall and, and game design and stuff like that. Uh, Phil my ass up gives two hundred Norwegian krona and says I played Spec Ops for the first time some weeks ago without ever being exposed to it. Aside from its reputation, I must say it provoked an emotion out of me unlike other games that come out these last of years. Hell yeah, that's great there to hear. So, so I guess, yeah, than, the game still works. Yes, so that is the specific thing you want us to fill your ass up with, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> with more spec ups? Yeah, listen, there's a line on his ass. You can yeah. fill it up to a certain point, and that's yeah. that's the line. And don't cross that line, or no. th that things no. get very messy. <laughs> Lexi Fry gives $19.99. Says, hi, Yardsy, love the content over the years. ZP inspired how I used to write articles for a science journal, sci-fi movie reviews. Have you ever played Ancestors the Humankind Odyssey? If not, might be a nice retro review. Retro? That was like a few years back, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't that? I think that was very new. Yeah. Yeah. I remember playing uh, it and I remember thinking, I'm bored. I am not going to review this. So I guess I probably won't <laughs> review it. Yeah, I know. The thing I remembered, it was uh, by the creator of Assassin's Creed, Patrice Desolais. 
Oh, right um, that's one of the only things I remembered. And then it was like you played like a caveman or like a chimp or something, like yeah. a smart chimp. It was yeah, yeah it was something like that. Jaws gives five dollars. Says my book club read will save the galaxy for food and loved it. There was one question: Was Jemima being the president's daughter a reference to Resident Evil Four? No, or at least not intentionally. In fact, I seem to recall making her the president's daughter occurred to me like literally at the moment when I wrote the part where it was revealed that she was the president's daughter. Because I think my brain went, oh, you know what would be a huge curveball that would really complicate yeah. things? Yeah. So, that's, uh, so that sort of drove the rest of the plot. And that's because that's how I write books. There you go. I'm working on the third book, incidentally. I'm working on... I'm writing the first draft of We'll Leave the Galaxy for Good right now. I like that name. How long from, from without, obviously you can't, like how long, when you start a first draft, how long is it usually until? Uh, oh, it'll be a while yet. Like, yeah. probably uh, a year or so, including like time required for publishing. Yeah. I write a page a day and that's like, takes a year to write a draft. Yeah. Just like an average size novel. Yeah. Um. Uh, Wait, did we already read this? Friendworth's. Uh, no, we're at Jeffrey of Monmouth. Yes. What was Friendworth? Friendworth. Oh, never mind. Yeah, sorry. I got yeah. confused. Jeffrey of Monmouth gave us five dollars. Says Fallout One, Two, and New Vegas were capitalism degraded society, and democracy was so weak that it enabled it. Deal with the consequences of that failed world. Ooh, well, that's going to get close, pretty close to home, isn't it? <laughs> Who needs a game about that? Yeah, we want some escapism for fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, erectile dysfunction. Great name, by the way. Gives eight ninety nine pounds. To say, also, unrelated, but everyone loves toffee and pepper, R.I.P. But what happened to one of your first pets, Sodbury or Snodbury? I can't fully remember the name. Oh, that was what I used to call my Roomba. And uh, I think I just sold that to a friend <laughs> before I left Australia. So also R.I.P. R.I.P. to Snodbury. Yeah. I call him Sodbury because that's like a, a, a nice pun for a cleaning robot. Because uh, Sodbury sounds like a name you'd call a butler. But if you take yeah. the two parts of the name, you get sod, which is a lump of earth, and berry. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Beautiful. So it could be the name of something that's cleaning up a load of dirt. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Bioshock Rodriguez. Lots of repeating super chats this week. Give $5. Says, sorry to keep sending money. Oh, don't apologize, Tyler. <laughs> apologize to your spouse, if anyone. <laughs> Modern Warfare 2019 had white phosphorus as a killstreak weapon. Boy, that says a lot about Call of Duty versus Spec Ops, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess that was the point in what I tweeted this morning, that every modern shooter that follows Spec Ops The Line has persistently failed to internalize any of the messages that the game has. Yeah. I guess, I guess the modern warfare genre is kind of dead. It's back to World War II now. Uh, well, this year's we got Modern Warfare 2 this year. We're back. And nobody cares. Uh, really, nobody cares. This is yeah. this is true. Um, yeah, I don't know why they just. I feel like Call of Duty should just go in and just make an anti-war game, and it's still going to sell a shit ton. Just include the multiplayer in it, but like, what's yeah, the harm? Might as well. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that was it for super chats. Look at us. Thanks for all the donations. 
You are the people who make it happen. Absolutely. We have a we have a very big show next week as well. Oh yes, we were, we were going to sell that. Uh, will the yeah. show slightly something else next Monday will be a couple of hours later than usual. Yes. Why is that? Four p.m. Central, two p.m. Uh, oh, 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific. And that's because we're going to be joined, uh, the two of us, by a special guest, and that is SkillUp. Uh, if you guys are, are not aware, SkillUp is uh, a really wonderful uh, YouTuber who, who uh, does his own uh, tons of podcasts and video essays and, and industry analysis and stuff. So uh, SkillUp's going to be joining us next yeah. week from Australia. And so that'll be a lot of fun. We're doing a collab. That's collab. Right. Yeah. We're not above doing that sort of that guy with the glasses bullshit. No, <laughs> that guy with the glasses. Yeah, that's all they fucking um, do over there. They just collab and skit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that should be a lot of fun. We're, we're locking down a topic now. Um, here's I'm, I'm just going to toss uh, Sculpt's YouTube in there so you guys could can uh, check his stuff out. Yeah. So yeah, that should be a lot of fun. Oh, well, Andrew White Winter gave one ninety nine and says, "My wife is annoyed whenever I do this." I guess no, Andrew. you do that, Andrew White Winter. Are those like a think, super chat right at the end? You think those are like individual, like dollar ninety nine things that come off like a credit card bill, or do you do, does YouTube like send you one like? Is it only one tick on your statement per month, or is everyone a different tick? I feel like I'd get annoyed at that. I wouldn't know. I've never donated anything to anyone on YouTube. I'm gonna donate to us. I'm gonna donate to us next week, and I'm gonna figure it out. You do that. Oh, Nick said it's individual. There you go. All right. Well, that's something to look forward to next week. Uh, uh, coming up this week, Zero Punctuation on Wednesday will be on the subject of Neon White, which I noticed Ooh. everyone sort of jumped on now. I started talking it up when I started playing it. Uh, I love it dearly. I think it's wonderful. I guess you'll be wanting to come on the post-EP stream on Wednesday then. You know what? If you're sick of me, I understand. If not, I will gladly do it. Well, I ask because someone's already set up the stream page and it already says you're going to be on it. Oh, well, that's easy. <laughs> I guess you're like... That wasn't me. I promise you it wasn't me. All right. I guess you're the placeholder guest. Okay, there you <laughs> when go. The, someone sets the stream page up. There you go. But I guess you've uh, been pretty vocal in your appreciation of it, so I guess it makes sense. Perfect. So that'll be on Wednesday. I've got a new extra mm -hmm. punctuation hitting uh youtube for members on thursday not for anyone else i'll have no. to wait another week mm -hmm. which reminds me i need to record the voice for that once once we're done here is it about uh, anime yeah um no actually anime. it's anime. not about it's not about anime this time okay that's disappointing oh, fuck, i guess fuck you people <laughs> yes two more Vince to Julius gives 499 and says finally cool one of these live again love the podcast thanks gents and thanks, jackson Jewel gives 499 and says, just giving money to tell you you are important and loved. Also, they are separate entries on statements. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. Um, yeah, so uh, aside from uh, uh, the uh, zero punctuation, extra punctuation later this week, uh, members are able to check out um, currently uh, Amy's new quest log on Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Uh, Darren has a new In the Frame on Jurassic Park that you guys can check out. And then um, this weekend is going to be the new uh, episode of Adventure is Nigh for members. So members, you get all sorts of all sorts of goodies early. And uh, don't forget the latest episode of Adventure is Nigh dropped on YouTube for everyone over the yep. weekend. So if you haven't watched that, I can thoroughly recommend it. 
Uh, this, this campaign's been a bit slow to start in terms of exciting adventures, but things are really hotting up now. A character oh. actually gets uh, taken down to zero HP this week. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. So you'll have to watch to find out if they survive the encounter or if we'll have to remove all their socks from the Teespring store. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> There's just like a little gravestone in their camera frame from yeah, the, on the overlay from now on. And the yeah. person playing them just has to fuck off. There you go. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's all. Uh, I've been Yahtzee Groshaw. I'm Marty Sleva. And we'll see you all next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. No toffee time. I've decided. No toffee time. He's sleeping. He's not your performing monkey. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye.